Crystal. And I'm Sheena. And this is the Lifestyle of the Weird and Interesting podcast. Conversations that you won't find in Life's Handbook. All right. Hi, everybody. We are on episode seven of the Lifestyle and the Weird and Interesting podcast. And we are going to talk about personality types today. Specifically, the Myers-Briggs personality types. Um, I will definitely mention the anagram at the end because they do kind of tie together. We are going to be talking about the Myers-Briggs personality test. If you've never done this test, my favorite place to do it is 16personalities.com because it will tell you what the percentage is that you fall within each of the categories. And then it will also give you a whole bunch of information about how your personality type works with other people um, through each of the categories of life. And it also gives you a pretty good breakdown of, you know, how to use that energy to your advantage. So that's where I did my test. I also pulled a lot of this information that we're going to use as we talk today from the website. So yeah, yeah, if you haven't done this test, definitely recommend that one. Exactly. I wrote down that website as well. And that's the only one I referenced just to keep things simple and easy for my research because I wrote four pages worth of notes on my personality <laughs> type alone. <laughs> so nice. That's awesome. One, one source is good for, for this. Yeah. For now. <laughs> um, but we had talked about going on a little tangent before we dive into the personality types because it's been an interesting week. We're approaching the last week of March as we're recording this and some things have come up for us that we thought would be really interesting to share that kind of also tie in to our personality types. And one thing that I kind of brought up to talk about today is just the idea of not being afraid to talk about your experiences. Because I feel like for me personally, there's been maybe shame around being completely open about my situation and about my life and things like that. It's like, I'm such a people pleaser. I don't want to get people in trouble or I don't want people to think badly or I don't want to put anybody down. But at the same time, it's like I want to talk about my experience. And yeah, I also can't protect the bad people who have done things to me. Right. And I think I've seen. Well, they wouldn't Instagram have stories. protected you. Right. That's yeah. The, they, that's what I've always yeah. heard is like, why are you protecting people who would never stand up for you? A hundred percent. And it's like, yeah. why do I feel this need to protect the people who have no interest in my well-being whatsoever and have done terrible things to me. And so I think I just, yeah, and some Instagram stories came up in the last couple weeks that have like really reminded me that it's okay to share my story and talk about the things that have happened without that shame. Because why, why would I protect the people who, who have harmed me in one way or another? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that it's important to because the more that I have shared my own experience, even in limited ways, even, you know, filtering out a lot of information, the more that I've shared what I've been through, the deeper the connection I've been able to forge with other people because they understand it and then they feel also validated that someone else's experience is so similar to theirs. So I do think that it's really important. And I think that it is an important piece of authenticity. And authenticity is something that 
Um, I always have worked hard to be as authentic as possible, but I didn't realize for a long time that I was going about it in a way that it wasn't really authenticity. I thought it was, <laughs> but um, I wasn't fully letting myself be vulnerable. And because of that, I don't think that the authenticity really ever came through. And the way that I've been going about it for the last couple of years, I've noticed a very drastic difference in my life. So I would encourage anybody who is struggling with authenticity to just test that water a little bit, you know, spend some time with yourself and get to know what vulnerability looks like for you because it's not the same for everybody. But I would say that, you know, make an effort to be vulnerable in spaces where it feels safe for you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and actually speaking of authenticity, I'm pretty sure that's in my personality chart. <laughs> After all the research I've done. So when we were talking about this, like yesterday or on Friday, like, I was like, yep, that, that fits. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So anyway, I just wanted to to bring that up. Like, don't be afraid to talk about your experiences because it's a constant reminder to my own self that I don't need to be afraid of anything because this is my story. And there's no. like my, if I were to have a motto, I think it's two sides to every pancake. There's two mm. sides to every person. There's two sides to every situation. And I try to look at both sides all the time. And yeah. that actually hinders me in a lot of ways of my own story and my own self because I'm so concerned about other people. So if anything, I just wanted to share because it's a reminder to myself. Yeah, I could see that. I don't think that it's necessarily like a negative or a drawback to be able to see all the sides to a story. It just becomes more time consuming and it forces you to look at it from each perspective instead of um, just having like your own version of what things are. And I think that sometimes that changes over time for people, but it also can come back to what we talked about in the earlier episodes with human design. You and I both have open head centers and that's a yeah. classic trait of someone with an open head center is that we try to see things from all the angles. I believe it. I believe it. So my personality type is INFJ-T, which is introverted, intuitive, feeling, judging, and turbulent. And I'm the advocate. So that's their like little main character that each personality type has. And after doing just a general Google search, I found that INFJ is 1.5% of the general population. Nice. You're rare. I'm a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is the ENFPA. I was a little bit shocked when that came out. So the personality type or the, I guess, yeah, the type, it, mine is the campaigner. So I'm extroverted, intuitive, feeling, prospecting, and apparently assertive. <laughs> I did uh, some research into this as well, and it's the fifth most common personality type among women, and 8% of general population have the same personality type as me. So I'm not as rare as you, <laughs> and apparently pretty common. A lot of women <laughs> fall into this, and it makes me wonder a little bit. I always wonder with personality tests how much of it is influenced by 
your home environment, the culture that you grow up in, the area where you grow up, how much of that, you know, can be influenced by this kind of thing. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt or, you know, you can go all in. It's up to you. But <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly. And then going to my percentages, which I thought was really interesting. I'm 66% introverted, 68% intuitive, 73% feeling, 85% judging, and 76% turbulent. So it's definitely over, well over that halfway mark. For yeah. Some of these. Mine is 83% extroverted. No one will be surprised <laughs> by that. Nope. 62% <laughs> um, intuitive, 85% feeling, and 58% wow. prospecting. So I've taken this test a couple of times and I tend to fluctuate between the ENFP and the ENFJ. It just mm -hmm. depends, I think, on what I'm going through at that point mm -hmm. in time as to how those answers will come across. I'm 63% assertive. So only a little over. <laughs> <laughs> just a tad. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Okay, so the summary I kind of wrote down for the advocate, so INFJ, is approach life with deep thought and imagination, seek fulfillment, helping others, force of good, conscientious and with integrity, according to my own wisdom and intuition. I often feel misunderstood, which is also in my uh, you know, that's just my thing. I'm just misunderstood all the time. And <laughs> <laughs> my strengths are creativity, imagination, uh, sensitivity to uplift others and spread compassion. Nice. Okay. So my strengths are that I'm curious, which we already mm -hmm. know because I have the first line profile. <laughs> Um, perceptive. So to people who have this personality type, there's not one person that's unimportant. And mm -hmm. that is probably my biggest hurdle because I'm always focusing. I'm like, well, what is this person going to say? Or how mm -hmm. is this person going to feel? Mm -hmm. um, enthusiastic. Definitely me. I'm very enthusiastic. <laughs> and festive. Um, Ooh. Yeah. I know I like that, that one's <laughs> kind of weird. Um, <laughs> it just says these personalities know how to find fun and joy in the moment. And that's yes, definitely you do. true. Yes. You if do. you've ever I done the color personality test, mine is yellow. And I yellow is like, if it's that. not fun, I'm not into it. <laughs> I love that though, because yellow, yellow, hello. I cannot talk this morning. <laughs> Uh, yellow is such a fun, happy, positive color. I think that's one of the colors scientifically that just makes you happy, like causes that positive, you know, that positivity. It inside is, you. it is honestly one of my least favorite colors. Is it? Really? I do not like yellow. I've never liked it. <laughs> it just doesn't for whatever reason it does not yellow and orange i'm just not a fan i like most of the other ones but i tend to go more for like cooler tones i love green and blue but yeah. i'm not a fan of like really warm colors and maybe it's because i'm a ginger <laughs> that <laughs> i don't that know <laughs> yeah so the weaknesses for the enfp people pleasing 
that's accurate. I've had to do a lot of work around that. <laughs> it's yep. unfortunate. Um, unfocused. That's also accurate. <laughs> um, we've talked a little bit in the past where I've said that I'm pretty sure that I would probably qualify for a diagnosis of ADHD. I've, I've never done an actual diagnosis for that, but so many of the symptoms, and it's weird because my daughter has ADHD and she does have the diagnosis, but here's part of being a campaigner, right? Like it totally ties together. When I found out that she had ADHD, I was like, I need to learn as much about this as possible because I want to be accommodating. <laughs> and through learning more about it, I'm like, oh, I do that too. And then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> but she's a reflector. So that makes sense. You're learn you're trying to help yeah. her by learning how to help her. And then it's also a sign like shedding light on I my need to own work situation. On <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so non-focused kind of fits. Um, I do really enjoy the newness of things, which mm -hmm. is also kind of one of those like trademark things for people who have ADHD. Like I said, I don't have a formal diagnosis, so I don't really know, but uh, most of the things that she does, I also do. And so does my mother. So, mm -hmm. you know, it could be all of us who knows. Uh, disorganized. That one is not true. I'm super organized with everything. It is a little bit of an organized chaos. So it's not <laughs> traditional organization, but I know exactly where all of my stuff is. I know where to find things like 99% of the time. But this is what's funny is like having that knowledge of the ADHD stuff. I'm like, oh no, I've made systems. I made systems so I can keep track of things because when I was younger, I was very disorganized. Mm -hmm. Everything's always a mess when I was a kid. My mom used to get so upset with me because I would come home from school with homework in my backpack and it'd be like a ball in the bottom of my backpack. It was never nice. Like my homework when I would turn it in was usually wrinkly and crumpled. And anyway, <laughs> um, overly accommodating. Mm. I don't know how that's a weakness, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it can be kind of inconvenient. Um, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> uh, so it's something that my husband has pointed out to me multiple times where mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I feel like there are certain people that you will make extra measures for. Right. If it's like, if it's like a friend, it's different than if it's like someone close to me. Yeah which like my friends are close to me. So that doesn't really make sense. But somebody who lives in my house is probably the best way to qualify that. So I'm less accommodating for the people who are in my everyday life and more accommodating for people I don't see very often. I can relate to that. That makes sense. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of falls into the people pleasing as well, which is for kind sure. of unfortunate. Overly optimistic. <laughs> I don't know that like overly is really, I don't know. Is that like a negative? You guys can tell us what you think. You can well, send us an email and let us know. But <laughs> one of your descriptors is enthusiastic. And then it's saying your yeah. weakness is overly optimistic. So maybe it's just saying like, maybe it's not, no, what am I trying to say? You can fall into that trap of not seeing the realistic side of things because you're so optimistic about something. Does that make sense? And maybe that can fall into like risk taking in some sort of way. I could see how that might come through. Um, the description under it 
says optimism is one of the personality type's key strengths, but campaigners' rosy outlook can lead them to make well-intentioned but somewhat naive decisions. So I guess it is a little bit of that. Um, and then the last one is restless, and that couldn't describe me more because <laughs> I cannot sit still. I have a yeah. very hard time sitting for a long period of time in the same space. I like to get up and move around and might get up and go for a walk or go fill my water or, you know, whatever. So mm -hmm. I like to spend time in movement. I don't want to be stuck anywhere for a long period of time. That makes sense. Yeah. I can see that with projects as well. Like, yeah. always projects for you. Yeah. Yes, that's accurate. <laughs> uh, for INFJ, my strengths are creative, and that's the way I express myself, which is pretty true. Uh, insightful, seek out the deeper truths, principled, strong beliefs and values, passionate, crave purpose and chase ideals, and altruistic, use strengths for the greater good, make the world a better place. Oh, I love that. That's so mm. nice. I like it. Uh, weaknesses, sensitive to criticism, not a fan of challenged principles and beliefs, defensive and dismissive when challenged. So that's definitely me. I do not like to feel criticized in any way. Um, yeah. Reluctant to open up, private, hard to ask for help, create distance. So I feel like I'm a pretty open book, but I do see how it's hard for me to ask for help. And that's just with trauma and like overcompensating for things. So I can kind of see that a little bit. Perfectionistic. And I oh, fixate no. on imperfections, which is so true. <laughs> oh, man. That's oh. rough. Yeah. This, this can be kind of mean. <laughs> I feel very called out right now. Um, I have two more. Avoiding the ordinary. Need to break down big goals into smaller achievable goals. So oh, I, I can like kind that. of see this where it's like, let's say I want to be a famous rock star. I can't just focus on that overarching goal of being a rock star because it seems unattainable, right? So I have to break down that goal into micro goals, basically, is what it's saying. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I don't want to be a rock star in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that was a good example. Um, and then the last one is prone to burnout, can exhaust mm. self without self-care and rest. And I know that's something we have talked about heavily, and you're always telling me you are meant to rest. So, Yes, I have yeah. to remind you that you're meant to rest. <laughs> Second line profile, if you have hermit, Anywhere in your human design, rest is super important. And actually, if you have the fifth line, it's also you're going to go through periods where you kind of duck out mm -hmm. and do your own thing, which I touched on in our episode about that. I think it was episode four or episode five is where we would have talked about all of that. But yeah, yeah. it's it's a tough one. You just have to remember, right? Rest is important. It's, it's okay to take a break from things. Yeah, especially like this last week at work was stressful. So I found myself laying in bed a lot, like just to decompress and recharge. Mm. And also it's like winter's never ending. I woke up and it was snowing this morning and I'm like, can this oh, no. not do that? I want sunshine, please. 
I know it's crazy. Yeah. We've had a lot too. This last week, we ended up getting eight inches of new snow. Oh. Yeah, it was intense. We've had yeah. storms all week, and it it was just starting to get nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I miss the sun. <laughs> I haven't I seen miss, the sun in days. Well, I know it's awful. And I'm not here for winter anymore. Winter is nice when it's Christmas time, holiday season. Yeah. Totally cool with it. But we're approaching April. Like I'm done. I'm done. Yep. I'm giving it up. I don't want the snow anymore. So <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> There's a couple of things that I highlighted from mine in just like the the basic summary of the campaigner or the ENFP. Mm -hmm. uh, they, it says they're truly free spirits, outgoing, open-hearted, and open-minded. And those things describe me pretty well. Uh, with their lively, upbeat approach to life, they stand out in any crowd. I don't know about that, but <laughs> um, even though they can be the life of the party campaigners don't just care about having a good time these personality types run deep as does their longing for meaningful emotional connections with other people and that is definitely me it says campaigners can be quite introspective like i said every once in a while i'll just duck out and kind of focus mm -hmm. reflect back in they can't help but ponder deeper meaning and the significance of life, which I always thought was a Capricorn thing mm. <laughs> that I was like, oh, I don't know anything but the depths, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand it. If I can't submerge myself in the waters, I'm not going to play. <laughs> right, right. It says these personalities believe that everything and everyone is connected and they live for the glimmers of insight that they can gain into these connections, which I talked about in the last episode, um, that I believe everything is connected, every person is connected, and so it kind of all comes together here as well. Yeah. When something sparks the imagination of a campaigner, they'll show enthusiasm that is nothing short of infectious. And I've been told that before, that when I get really excited and I'm doing things that I love, other people can't help but go along with it, which is really cool. It says campaigners may find themselves being held up by their peers as a leader or a guru, as like a wisdom holder. Mm -hmm. But once the initial bloom of inspiration wears off, a campaigner can struggle with self-discipline and consistency and lose steam on projects that once seemed important. And that's totally me. Yep. Totally. <laughs> I do that often. <laughs> I am like a seasonal person. So during different periods of time is when I'll focus really deeply on things. So winter is a time when I find myself focusing a lot on things that I can create. So mm -hmm. that's when I work on building electroplating stuff. You know, I'm, I'm like looking at inventory of, of gems and different things that I have and, and trying to figure out what I need and planning and all of that. So um, in the summertime, I spend a lot more time outside. I really love to be in the garden, but mm -hmm it's really easy to lose steam with that because if those freaking deer come in my yard and eat all my shit, like they do every year, then I'm like, screw it. I don't even want to do it anymore. <laughs> I've felt that way so many times. I tried to Aww. grow cauliflower and this deer literally hopped over my fence, pulled the plant up, dropped it on the ground and then walked away. I was like, that's a huge dick move. Why would you do that? How dare. I know. It, and I was like, I guess I'll never grow cauliflower again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I get that. <laughs> yeah. 
it's so it it's a pretty good synopsis of who I am as a person. Um, mm -hmm. I think it describes me pretty well. What does yours mm -hmm. say? I worked on a couple things. I hope that unfairness and hardship become a thing of the past. Uh, weakness, stress, burnout, don't put self first. Enjoy meaningful conversations. No small talk, which we've talked about. Um, yeah. I'm a warm and sensitive communicator. Act with great thought and care. Um, and constructive criticism feels personal and hurtful. So overall, I just want what's best for people in the world. And I want things to be fair, which, yeah, makes, that sounds like me. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Relationships. So there's, it starts to go into different scenarios. So like relationships, work, career, parenting, things like that. So mm -hmm. for relationships, I look for depth. I'm too okay. choosy when it comes to friends. I have unrealistic expectations and idealism. Looking for what, what matters on a soul level. Look for ways to grow and strengthen connection. Intensely passionate, and it gets more so over time. And I'll just go into friendships really quick. I don't want shallow, superficial, casual uh, friendships, no fakeness. I want authentic, meaningful friendships that I can share dreams with, bear my soul, feel understood and accepted. I also enjoy my own company, which is true. Surround myself with people I can grow and learn from and may meet few people who remind me of myself. So. Interesting. So this is why we're friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm super accommodating and you want gentle friendship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're friends for other reasons, but <laughs> that's the only <laughs> reason. Good friends. <laughs> the only reason. <laughs> the only reason. <laughs> um, okay. So for the ENFP romance, what I have written down here is a deep longing to share their life with another person. And I can't say that that's always been the case for me. Because mm -hmm. there was a period of time where I was very convinced I was okay with not ever having a family or getting married or anything like that. I would not change that. And I'm so glad that's not the decision that I made that yeah. I ended up, you know, in a really great relationship. But there was definitely a period of time where I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. So <laughs> um, maybe I was just deflecting all of my feelings instead of feeling them. That's totally possible. <laughs> Hey, I um, was there with you. I wanted to be a spinster. I was like, I'm okay with being alone. I'm okay. It's fine. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> but when you don't want to meet someone, you meet them. So I totally get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like as soon as you stop looking, there they are. Yep. It also says for better or for worse, not everyone can match the ENFP's intensity. And I mm. know this. I'm a very intense person. I have made my peace with that. And it's kind of how I find like my people, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's how I know when I'm in the right group that I can be intense and other people aren't put off by it. Yeah. Like, they're just excited about, you know, somebody who's excited about things. It also says when the flames of romance start to flicker, campaigners will worry that their devotion has been misplaced and that the match isn't meant to be after all. 
and that is accurate. I have been there many times. <laughs> um, in friendship, it says that ENFPs are cheerful, supportive. They enjoy lighthearted banter. Who knew? <laughs> I believe it. Um, <laughs> deep, heartfelt, emotional discussions. They're generous and giving. They have a little bit of suspicion sometimes when things mm. don't go the way that they think that they should, but they're always warm hearted about the possibilities. Okay. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know that I recognize the suspicion part for myself, but I'm sure other people probably recognize that in me. That could tie into you know. your investigative line. Mm, yeah. It could like, you're like, Hmm, I don't know about that. And then you do your research and you're like, this is what I think. I, I can, that's how I kind of interpret, inter, inter, interpret, interpret, interpret. I'm done. It's okay. <laughs> that's how I understand that. Yes. It also says from the outside, it might seem that friendship comes easily to these types of people, but. That doesn't mean that campaigners always experience deep, meaning, real, meaningful relationships that they long for. So ever since I was little, I've always been told that I'm very friendly. And I'm like, I don't know that that's sure. Like, maybe I'm friendly. It doesn't really make sense to me that I could be friendly, but at the same time, like, want that depth, you know? So I could be, maybe I'm just like nice when you meet me, right? <laughs> like nice yeah. in the first few minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. But if there's no depth there, it's not going to go any further than just that first contact. Does right. that make sense? Yep. That makes Maybe sense. that's kind of how I understand that. Mm -hmm. Anyway. That yeah. makes sense. Um, did you take notes on parenthood? Because I only, yes. I'm not a parent. So I have I did. two lines. <laughs> okay. I, did, I didn't focus too much on this one. But whenever I do have a family or children, based on my personality type, INFJ, I am to teach my children right from wrong. Um, I cannot talk. Teach my children right from wrong and teach them to fight for the causes they believe in. And I thought that was really oh, cool. That is really cool. I like that. Mm -hmm. For the ENFP. Sharing a sense of wonder and inspiration is important with mm. their children. And my kids could probably tell you that we can't go anywhere without me having a conversation with them where I say, did you know? And then I drop like a bunch of knowledge on them. They, my son was like, mom, you have like a look that you get on your face. <laughs> That's awesome. When I'm about to do it. So then he'll be like, did you know? <laughs> It's so funny. That's cute. <laughs> um, yeah, it's structure um, and predictability with children is a big part mm -hmm. of that, which for sure I do that. I maintain the schedule for our whole house, make sure everybody's stuff, you know, doesn't overlap with each other so we can make sure we can be in the places we need to be. So you are organized. They, oh, yeah. That's why I was like disorganized. <laughs> that is not me. <laughs> Campaigners encourage their children's creativity and self-expression. Our kids are both pretty artistic. We've always supported them with anything creative that they want to 
explore. They're mm. both musical. So we have always had options for, you know, their musical gifts to come out. Um, cool. Our daughter played low brass. So, you know, mm. we encouraged her to do jazz band. We encouraged her to do marching band and we supported all of those things. And now our son is going through his stuff in high school and he's working on a bunch of music things. So we're always, cool. you know, trying to, well, at least I am, I can't speak for my husband cause he's a different personality type, but mm. I love supporting those things. Cause I think self-expression is such a important part of the human experience, being able yeah. to express the self, which is probably a whole separate episode that we could talk about all of that, but definitely. Yeah. Structure. I mentioned that before and expressing love even though we have rules okay. that's a challenge um holding the rules like i understand boundaries and i understand you know having structure and and rules and things for your household but it's so hard for me when mm -hmm. something doesn't go the way that i would like it to mm -hmm. because that means now i have to figure out you know how do we how do we counter that with behavioral redirection, if that yeah. makes sense. I don't like the word discipline. I don't want to use that, but um, there has to be, there has to be something that brings them back to the path, right? Like we right. have to do something to counter whatever's happening. And that is really challenging for me because I just want to sit and like snuggle them and like love on my kids and all of that. Ever since they were little, like I would prefer to just do that and not have to deal with <laughs> any of you know, the redirecting that has to take place as a parent. And it's really hard for me to enforce those boundaries because then I'm like, I don't want them to think I don't love them. We always have to have like a discussion afterwards where I mm -hmm. say, you know, I, I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't care so much about it if I didn't care about you. But I do. I had to have that conversation with my daughter yesterday because I was like, I really need you to know that this comes from a place of love. I wouldn't do all of this. I wouldn't say any of the things that I say that I'm trying to get you back, you know, where you need to be to be able to function really well unless I loved you. And mm -hmm. I hate having to have that conversation because a lot of times when you're redirecting your kids, it doesn't feel like love. Right, right. And so, yeah, we always have to have that conversation. And, and my son is always like, why does it always have to be like some big lecture? <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, because clearly you don't know what you thought you knew when you made this decision. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I wish my family members who give me quote unquote tough love would at least start with that. Like I'm saying this from a place of love because I'm mm -hmm. the type of person to take things at face value. So if I feel criticized, going back to my little descriptor, if I feel criticized, it doesn't feel good for me. And I don't see that it comes from a place of love. So your form of conversating yeah. with your kids is I'm, I'm saying this because I love you and I want you to know that. So you go into that conversation and your kids are taking that in saying, okay, mom is saying this because she loves me. Whereas in my mm -hmm. experience, I've been told things and it's like, that really hurts my feelings and I'm not hearing what they're actually saying because they're not saying it in the way that works for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That does make sense. Yeah. Like you need to receive it. Well, I mean, it says that you're sensitive, so you need to receive things in a way that feels loving. So mm -hmm. if somebody were to come in and just start like yelling at you, it probably would not go well. No, it doesn't you wouldn't get go anything well. out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think your approach to it is wonderful. I wish I had that in my life. 
at their age. I hope they <laughs> might kids not feel that way. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say they might not feel that way, but if on the opposite end of the coin, it's better than going into it and feeling judged and criticized and stuff. At least you're saying like, "Hey, I love you," and I'm saying yeah. this because I want to help you. Also, it goes to being accommodating a little bit. To yeah, like help them. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it kind of shows up in everything for me, like being accommodating and wanting to make sure that I'm not invalidating someone else's experience. Mm -hmm. That's not something that I'm interested in ever doing. I'm sure it's going to happen, but I try to take measures to prevent that from happening because I don't, I, I've felt that way before. I just don't want someone else to feel it. So yeah, for sure. For okay. Sure. What do you have about career path for yours? All right. For INFJ my career persona a job isn't satisfying if it doesn't have a deeper purpose mm -hmm. imagine so many possibilities hard to decide which path to take does that sound okay. familiar yeah <laughs> search for purpose uh and then it listed out some career options so writing blogs screenplays fine art museum work which totally resonates with me i wanted to go into museum science I'm thinking of going into library science and I love to write. I've had a blog for years um, in college writing and research papers was my favorite thing. So I'm definitely, awesome. definitely into that. And it makes sense that I need a job where I feel purpose. So Aww, that's, that's definitely awesome. important. Yeah. I like that. That's a good one. Like, I don't know. I, and I could see you doing all of those different things. Mm -hmm. I don't have like a list of career paths. Oh, really? Unless it was at the bottom. Get there. Yeah, it's at the bottom. Another thing I wrote down is because I am a people manager at my job, I think of everyone as equals, which is true. Empower others and encourage them to think independently. But when things don't go my way, I have the tendency to be stern, which oh. I can't really say I've done, but I can also see that tying into like my Capricorn workaholic mm -hmm. thing. So, yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Top careers. Okay, I've got it. So for the ENFP, the career path is, well, not career path. So for ENFP, they are known for having a wealth of ideas, interests, and hobbies, which, yes, <laughs> I do. And to the extent that they may struggle to fit everything that they care about into their lives. Yes. Uh, we had this conversation recently. I'm like, it's okay to that. pick a couple things. You don't have to fit yeah. everything into one box. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, choosing a career path can leave people who are ENFP feeling overwhelmed. And that for sure has been my experience with this. Even when I was looking at going to college, I had no idea what I wanted to go to college for. Um, mm -hmm. And I ended up having conversation with my husband multiple times where I was like, what do you think? And he was like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And <laughs> I was like, well, I need more information. Like there's too many options. I need it narrowed down. So if you can ask me like a yes or a no, like would be related to each option, then I can narrow it down that way. But it, mm -hmm. to just have like a whole menu in front of me, I have the hardest time making a decision. Yeah. Um, well, and that's a whole other conversation that I can go on a tangent with is when an 18 year old goes into college, they're expected to know immediately what what they should do. Like, 
Yeah. And then it's like, if you go into fine arts, that's not good enough. That's not going to make you money. That's not a stable career. You should go into business or finance or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And it's like, I luckily I knew what I wanted to do. I loved history. And I'm like, I'm going to go down that field or down that road. But like, it's so unfair for kids to have that pressure. And even if you're older going to college, there are so many yeah. options out there. And I feel like college is such an expensive place that you don't really have that freedom to kind of dance around and see what works. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was a little bit older when I went to college. I didn't go until I was 23. Mm-hmm. 24. So I was not super old, but I was older when I went to college mm-hmm. and it was almost harder because mm-hmm. I knew like I had worked for several years at that point and I knew what things I did not want to do. Yeah. But I had no idea, you know, where I would end up. So, and then there's also that pressure too. I know um, some people who went to college later in life and it's like, there was this weird feeling they felt about being in a classroom full of kids. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you experienced that, but I know like in, in my math classes and English classes, there were some older students who were like, I just feel weird being in a space with children. I'm yeah. Like, it, I don't know. It is a little bit odd um, yeah. to be like a more adultier adult, I guess. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I had little kids. So yeah. I was like trying to <laughs> balance life and I'm there and there's all these kids. I'm like, are you old enough to be here? Yeah. <laughs> you look like you like barely have your driver's license. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, I remember having that feeling and I was like, oh, I'm so old. Like the whole time I was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But hey, yeah, that kind of the point funny. is you went and you're going and you did the thing. Yeah, I got it. I Sometimes I wonder if that was really the best decision, but it led me to some really cool places. So can't be mad about that. Mm-hmm. So campaigners are drawn to careers in nonprofits, public service, counseling, education, customer or public relations, hospitality, media and entertainment, and then in the service industry. It could also be somebody who manages social media, communications, any place where there's a balance of creativity and human connection, basically, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I've worked in some of those fields in the past, and I did really enjoy each of those. So, yeah, I can see you doing social media stuff because you've done that before and you've done marketing work before, and mm-hmm. it's a creative space for sure. So, I, I can see that. And you're also going out there to help people with that type of work, I feel like, it, whether it's making people happy with the visuals or hosting events via social media, things like that. I can see that. I really do enjoy those. It has to be something that ends up feeling like it's service oriented. Yeah. If it doesn't, then I have a really hard time sticking with something for a long period of time. So mm-hmm. I enjoy being in that kind of space. And if I can't work in that kind of space, I tend to create that outside of my work life. So I always have something going where I'm being of service either to my community or to other people. And I do that now. Like I, I have many outlets where I'm able to use that service-oriented side of myself. And I really love having that as something that's available. And that goes back to a human design chart, right? There, do you have yeah. community in your chart? Um, I have a little bit. Most of my 
chart is actually self-oriented. I have some of the knowing circuit that's defined, which is like sometimes that people in leadership positions and sometimes it just makes you a good um, consultant for a lot of things. And I have mm -hmm. considered doing consultant type work in the past, but never really did anything with that because I wasn't sure, you know, like how do you even get into something like that? But yeah, mm -hmm. I've, I've kind of weighed that option in the past because it made sense to me that, that it would be a good fit. So the last thing I took notes on is turbulent versus assertive. And I just took a couple notes. So turbulent people like myself, that's the dash T at the end of my INFP, INFJ, sorry, is focus on difficult parts of a problem, 100%. Fueled by worries and concerns, another 100%. Affected more by drama in life and more impacted by it. Makes sense. Uh, but I do learn from mistakes quicker than the assertive type. Uh, and I think assertive people want people in their life, but turbulent people may feel they need people in their life. Okay. That's interesting. Because mm -hmm. I definitely am the other half of that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think for myself, I'm like, I am the exact opposite of that. As the assertive version of this I tend to like default to rose colored glasses. So I'm always like, but look at this shiny, pretty thing over here. Yeah. <laughs> the master of distraction in the middle of something difficult. But also I tend to like want people in my life. So my husband is the turbulent version and he has struggled with that because I always will tell him, I'm like, I don't need anyone but I want you here. Like I really, I enjoy your company. You make me feel really good about life. I like the balance that we have between the two of us. And like my friends, I feel the same way. Like I don't need anyone, but I want you here because I enjoy your energy and I enjoy being in a space with you and all of that. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's kind of a challenging thing, you know, to have one side of the coin and then the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. I get that. I wish I could not need people, but I definitely can understand why I need them, especially after dissecting all of the different categories of the personality type and mine specifically, I need that deep connection. And the only way to get them is through people. So yeah, for sure. It makes sense. So one note that I do have, that's kind of interesting. ENFPs are, con are constantly generating new ideas, associations, and they have kind of quirky personalities. They can often seem random, scattered, distracted, flighty, and whether it is correct or not, they are more likely to be diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. Really? Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So I wonder how much of it is that we just have that perspective on those personality traits, right? Mm -hmm. And that we're trying to find answers to things rather than just making space for them to exist. So that's my own personal belief. I'm not going to try to push that on anybody else. But right. yeah, it's something to think about, you know, that your personality mm -hmm. traits are also a piece of this puzzle. So did you look at the famous people with your same personality type? I'm Googling right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wrote it. I wrote down famous people and did not write down. Didn't who write it were, down. So okay. <laughs> I'll let you go first while I, I hunt down some famous people. 
Okay. So in the Enneagram, which is another type of personality test, the campaigner is more likely to be a seven or a nine, but I actually have the three personality. Mm. So it's very different from what I think would normally be expected. And I do remember I also looked at human design types and what their Myers-Briggs typical personality is. And mine oh. is, or no, not the Myers-Briggs, sorry. I looked at human design and what the anagram usually comes through as, and it doesn't line up there either. Mm. So that's another reason that I kind of have that idea that maybe some of it is learned behaviors or things mm -hmm. that are conditioned, you know, through your childhood. So yeah. um, you can take what you want from that. So for my list of famous people, there's a lot. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Robert Downey Jr. Robin Williams. Quentin Tarantino. Nice. Uh, Russell Brand. Oh, cool. Kelly Clarkson. Will Smith. Ellen DeGeneres. Michael Scott from The Office. I was so mad when I saw that. I was like, you've got to be kidding. Like, I am so not that bad. But <laughs> there are definitely parts of his personality. After watching it as much as I have, there are parts of his personality. I'm like, oh, I kind of see it. <laughs> uh, Willy Wonka, Carrie Bradshaw, Anna from Frozen, okay. and Olaf from Fo oh. Frozen. Both of them would be the same personality type. Harley Quinn, Jessica Day from New Girl, which I oh. totally agree with because she and I are basically the same person. <laughs> um, Phoebe from Friends, Jake Peralta from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. If you haven't oh. watched that, I absolutely love that show. It's so good. Ariel, Dory, oh. Andy Dwyer from Parks and Rec. Love, love uh, Amy Schumer, Drew Barrymore, and Jack Sparrow. Nice. <laughs> there's some colorful cool. characters in there so yes <laughs> i love that okay on the website for infj uh the advocates i mm -hmm. have martin luther king nelson mandela mother Teresa, marie kondo it's nice lady gaga yes Nicole kidman morgan freeman nice go it go with I probably didn't say that right. G-O-E-T-H-E. -E. Probably like, I don't know who that is. I'll have to Google. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. Oh, that's awesome. This is why we're friends. <laughs> James Wilson from House. I love that oh. show too. Uh, yes. Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. Never nice. seen Lord of the Rings. Oh. Don't come at me. I know. I know. We have don't to remedy this. Me. No, we have to fix it. You have to watch those movies. They just, I, they walk in a field for like three hours. I just, oh, it's just so boring. <laughs> I have tried three times to get through Lord of the Rings and I can't get past the first 20 minutes. I'm like, can I fast forward? Like, I can't do this. <laughs> okay. Galadriel. Galadriel. Galadriel, another Lord mm -hmm. of the Rings. I don't know. Tom Kirkman. It's okay, I'll from, carry you. <laughs> thank you. Tom Kirkman from Designated Survivor. That was a really good show if you yes. haven't seen it. Oh, Rose from Titanic. Aw, I love that. I could see that. I could see that for sure. Desmond Hume 
whom from Lost. I mm-hmm. didn't get into that show. Yeah. Aramis? Oh, I did. Do you know who that is? Aramis. It's Aramis. from uh, The Three Musketeers. Yeah, The Three Musketeers. Yeah. Uh, Michael Schofield from Prison Break. Oh, okay. Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. Ooh. And Matthew Murdoch from Daredevil. Interesting. I, like, I know the first few. <laughs> the first few yeah. people. And they definitely have created some good in the world. So I love that. That's awesome. Um, and then to kind of backtrack, my anagram, anagram, is that how you say it? Anagram mm-hmm. is a six, which from the things I've seen focus a lot on needing to be stable and safe and predictability and they do worry and stress a lot and yeah that's me constant (laughs) so the enneagram three is called the performer and they're Mm. the type who like to make sure everybody is feeling good feelings um we tend to do silly things just for laughs like we're Mm -hmm. we're kind of I, that's how I could see for sure, like the Michael Scott from The Office profile. That I'm like, oh, okay, he's kind of a goof, and I'm definitely that way. Like, if things get really heavy, I'm more likely to shift things yeah. so that they don't feel so heavy. Um, I can see that. Also, I've never seen yeah. The Office, so don't come after me with that either. I I <laughs> seriously don't know how anybody could not watch that show. I own that show. That's how much I love it. We've seen it so many times. Like my kids can quote the show. It's excellent. One of my favorites for sure. And since it's gone off of Netflix, I've been just so sad because Aww. we used to be able to watch it all the time. And now it's like a whole process. I know first world problems that I have to put a disc in a player, but <laughs> how dare. How dare. I know. Such a good show, though. So many great moments in that show. Yeah, we quote it a lot. It's awesome. But also, Parks That's and Rec awesome. is good. I love Parks and Rec. That's the one okay. That then I you would love The love Office. You I would. Don't know I the promise. Office just seems like <laughs> dumb humor, and like it I is. can do dumb humor. Like my sense of humor is like Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, James Franco when they're all together, just like. Why would yeah. you do that? And it's like the most stupidest thing. And you have the one sensible person in the room. And it's like, ah, that's my kind okay. of humor. You will <laughs> but, for sure like it because that's the whole show. <laughs> but I don't Just know if it's to the, the first season. frustrating. Mm-mm, it's not. You kind of okay. get to a point where like the cringe factor is a part of it. And okay. it's awesome. I love that show. Skip the first season. I, I give that advice to everybody. Don't watch the first season because it sets you up in a really weird way for the rest of the show. Just okay. skip it. Start at the second season and then go back because then you can go through like the character building to understand them more. Okay. But start at the second season because the first season is really hard to get through. Maybe that's why I think I started with the first one. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> Everybody does, and then they're like, I hate that show. I'm like, no, you don't. You just haven't seen the good part. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because there's, like, there's several seasons. I think there's eight seasons. I can't remember. It's either six or eight. There's a lot. So, yeah, the story gets really good. And as much as I know that you love, like, a good relationship story, Mm -hmm. the Jim and Pam story in that is so good. (laughs) I love it. The episode where 
Well, I don't want to give any spoilers. There are two episodes. I'll say it this way. There are two episodes that will make me cry no matter how many times I watch them because I am so invested in that story. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> it's I super good. Yeah, yeah. It's excellent. Oh, cool. Okay. Side tangent. Okay. Remind me again what type, like what the definition of Anagram 3 is. Because I just looked up the what Anagram 3 is the performer the performer okay anagram six is the loyalist okay i didn't know that until just now when i googled it that but that makes sense it tracks with this personality right yeah yours tracks with yours too yeah 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 it's kind of interesting that they say it's normally a seven or a nine because mm. i am neither of those <laughs> and that's not even like in my shadow. I'm neither of those. So yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but that's okay. That's so that's all I have for the ENFP. Yeah. I'm pretty much covered everything for mine as well. It was definitely fun to deep dive into it again. Yeah. and see Cause we just wrapped up the episodes about human design. And a lot of these were just, they coincided. They went hand in hand and I'm like, this is me. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So we would love to hear from everybody else. What is your personality type? If you've never done this test, take it and then let us know what type you got and let us know if you're the same as us. Or if you're different, let us know what that might be like. You can send us an email at weirdlifestylepod at gmail.com and we will collect those and then we'll come back around to this again and read through those emails so send us a message and let us know your thoughts i love that and we'll put whatever information we have in the show notes as well and on our blog page yeah there will definitely be a link to the website if you have trouble finding it you can just get to it through the show notes or mm -hmm. the website mm -hmm. the next one is oracle cards Ooh, oracle cards okay yes. definitely you're gonna dominate that conversation since i'm a newbie <laughs> but i do have a do you want me to include tarot in that as well or should we make that a separate one um it's up to you because tarot is something i've been very intimidated by and i'm kind of not okay. ready to learn that yet so i'll leave that up to you if you want to okay throw that in there i probably will mention it because they are similar and i think you can't really have a conversation with about one without the other but mm -hmm. i won't go deep into tarot just because that is a very that could be like multiple episodes mm -hmm. <laughs> it could be yeah. really long so <laughs> the next episode will be us deep diving on oracle cards not tarot we will mm -hmm. probably mention tarot but mm -hmm. that will be a separate episode or two for itself mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit about oracle cards um how to work with them where to find them it'll be a that fun conversation sense. i'm yeah. excited i'm excited too i think it'll be a good one i'm mm -hmm. i'm excited just because there's so many options you know yeah with oracle Mm -hmm. So that'll be really fun. So join us next time, episode eight, where we will talk about Oracle cards. Mm -hmm. So we'll see you guys then. We'll see ya.